Will you please join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us all the power and strength that we need through Christ, through the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, too often we neglect connecting with your power. We forget to pray, to read your word, to talk about it with others. Lord, when we walk away from you, when we forget the source of our power, draw us back to you. Remind us of how much we need you, how much we need your power in our lives so that we can be your people, so that we can do the things that you want us to do and be who you want us to be, a light in the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to get out your Bibles uh, or the Pew Bible in front of you and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Last month, we started exploring this gospel, the shortest of all four of the gospels, uh, and he begins his gospel by saying, this is the beginning of the good news, of the gospel about Jesus Christ. It's interesting that he says, this is the beginning of the good news. Like, the good news doesn't stop. It just keeps on going and building. All the way through Mark's gospel, he says over and over again, and immediately this happened. And then immediately this happened. And then immediately Jesus went and did this. And then immediately Jesus' disciples did this. There's this sense of urgency all the way through the gospel because this is vital. This is an announcement of what God is doing through Jesus to bring about the restoration of all things, to bring his kingdom into this world. So much happens in the first chapter of Mark's gospel. Jesus is baptized. He goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. He calls his first disciples. He preaches. He casts out a demon. And today, we heard the story about Jesus healing people. The entire town came to the door where Jesus was and brought everybody who was sick, everybody who was afflicted by a demon, and Jesus healed them all. His words have the power to cure diseases, to cast out demons. And when he calls someone, people leave everything behind and follow him. Now, some people think that the disciples even left their families to follow Jesus. Now, we did hear that uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, Peter and Andrew, when they heard Jesus' call, you know, they were fishermen, and they left the boats behind. They left their father, you know, mending the nets with the other fishermen. But they actually stayed connected with their families. And we see that in today's reading, that they went back home. They brought Jesus and introduced him to their family. Uh, they spent some time with Simon and Andrew's family because they were brothers who lived in the same house. And Simon's, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was staying with Simon and Andrew, which was pretty common in those days for an extended family to live under one roof. She was in bed with a fever and couldn't get up to do anything for, uh, for, for their special guests. Now, if she was anything like a lot of the women in our church, you know she wasn't feeling good if she couldn't help make the guests feel welcome. The role of 
Preparing and serving a meal to guests would have fallen to her as the senior woman in the household. Uh, And here she is in bed, unable to do anything. She just couldn't do what her role was. But Jesus came to her, reached out his hand, took hold of her, and raised her up. And that moment, the fever left her. And she immediately got up and began to serve them. Now, some people might put up a hand and say, wait a minute, that poor woman, why are those lazy men making her work when she's just been deathly ill? But I think the truth is, once she felt good, they probably couldn't keep her down. (laughs) They couldn't tell her, get back in bed. No. Why? Because she wanted to serve. It was what she loved to do. Sarah loves to cook and make our guests feel special when we have uh, company. She doesn't want any help in the kitchen because she loves preparing the food. That's how she shows love to other people. Serving as chef and hostess gives her a a sense of satisfaction and purpose. So when Peter's mother-in-law got sick, illness had robbed her of that role, of that privilege. Jesus not only restored her health, but he restored her dignity and her honor. He restored her role in the household. She got to serve as hostess again. Sometimes people we know need help being restored to their role in the community. When soldiers come back from a grueling tour overseas, especially in a conflict zone, they need help readjusting to their roles in the family their workplace, their community. When someone is released from prison, how do we help them re-enter society, reconnect with their family, find a job, and regain their integrity? Too often they fall through the cracks. They wind up making the same mistakes and getting right back where they had started. When someone is struggling with an addiction, How do they restore trust between couples or between parents and children when it's been broken repeatedly? How do we as Christians help people with those kinds of transitions? We can't just ignore them like the two guys that walked right by the man in the ditch before the Good Samaritan came along and helped him up, bandaged his wounds, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him and paid anything that was going to be needed to help with his health care. What sorts of healing are needed in our relationships, in our congregation, in our community? And how might Jesus be involved in that healing? Perhaps there are ways that we could recognize those transitions publicly giving a welcome home celebration for a returning veteran, or a service of reconciliation when a family is coming back together, giving them a new start. Reconciliation involves forgiveness, letting go of your hurt and your anger in order to move on together. In the Gospel of Mark, 
Mark uses a word for forgiveness several times in different ways in these opening chapters. The word aphiomi uh, has to do with leaving something behind. It describes the fishermen who leave their nets and their boats and everything else in order to follow Jesus. It describes the fever that left Peter's mother-in-law. It describes Jesus, or God, forgiving, letting go of sins. The The word shows a drastic change from what was before to what is now. It's a letting go of something in order to move on. Whether it's a person leaving a place or letting go of a job, or whether it's sicknesses or sins letting go of a person. Those things no longer control your life. They've been left behind. So you can think of forgiveness as not letting what happened in the past control your life in the present. It's leaving the past behind. It's letting go of past events, relationships, actions, and so forth, so that they no longer control life now. It's starting today, fresh and new. The beginning of the good news is that Jesus sets you free to start fresh in your roles and your relationships with your family, your friends, and your community. Peter's mother-in-law was set free so that she could serve. How has God shaped you to serve? As we've talked about in recent weeks, God has put specific gifts and talents and passions and experiences in your life to shape you so that you can find joy and fulfillment in helping others in a particular way. Have you explored those gifts? How are you using them to serve God and to help others? I'm going to pick on a couple more people today. (laughs) David Amundsen is uh, somebody who is great with his hands, who knows how to design and build. Uh, He he worked for years as an industrial, industrial engineer for the post office in Des Moines. And he has made beautiful cabinets and artwork for his sister's Marcia's room in Bethany. He designed and built our communion table and our sound desk and I think our welcome table out in the uh, narthex too, uh, along with all sorts of other things around our church. He finds great satisfaction in doing what God has shaped him to do. Now, Patty Rathmaker, God uses her in totally different ways. Uh, She was our Sunday school superintendent for years. She organized Families at the River. How many of you remember Families at the River or were a part of that over the years? Yeah. Uh, They had all these outings for young families that they did things together and went places. Now she serves on our prayer ministry and on our transition team. During the summer, you usually see her at the pool. She's kind of the consummate Story City pool mom. Uh, And when she's not doing that, she's creating beautiful blinds for people's homes our parsonage, other places. All of those things are just ways that she just naturally serves by doing what comes natural to her, serving in the particular way that God has shaped her. Well, how do you find out how God has shaped you? 
Well, one of the ways that you can do, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is to take an inventory on your shape. You can find this at www.freeshapetest.com. Or uh, you can pick up uh, on your way out today, out in the North on the welcome table, there is uh, a booklet on how to find your particular shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your uh, abilities, your personality, and your experiences how God has particularly shaped you to be able to make a difference. We invite you to fill one of those out. Take the inventory online. Email it to me. Share it with your small group. Do a study on spiritual gifts with your small group. But probably the best way, besides asking others who know you really well and praying about it, the best way to find out what you're good at is to try stuff, to try a ministry, you know, try serving in a particular way and see if it fits. If it doesn't, leave it behind, go try something else. But find a rhythm of serving, of serving others in ways that, is, ways that are energizing and renewing for you. After a day of intense serving, Jesus got up early in the morning and went off to a deserted place to pray. He reconnected with his father so that he could have the strength for the tasks ahead. So, if Jesus had to take a break, <laughs> how much from the demands of ministry, how much more do we sometimes need to take a break from trying to fix all the problems of the world and the lives of the people around us? We need time to recharge our batteries. We need time in prayer to be renewed so that we can go back to our jobs and our roles and our relationships with fresh energy. Prayer is simply coming into the presence of God. An old pastor named Ole Halsby, uh, over a century ago, wrote a a wonderful book that's simply called Prayer. We have a a copy of it in in our library. And in it, the main point that he makes is that to pray is to let Jesus into your heart, to invite Jesus to take up residence inside you, because that makes all the difference in the world. The Apostle Paul says, in everything, in all things, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the God of peace will be with you. We are to present our requests to God, not just talk at Him, but let it be a two-way conversation where you're listening to Him, where you read some Scripture as a regular part of your day so, and pause to let it affect you. Now, while Jesus was praying, Simon Peter and his companions went looking for him. They, they hunted for him everywhere. And they finally found him. And they said to him, Everyone's looking for you. Where have you been? Well, why did they say that everybody was looking for him? Because they wanted more. They wanted more healings, more displays of power. Because once you get a taste of power, you want more and more and more. Later on in his ministry, Jesus fed 5,000 people, like 
almost you know, probably even more than two times the size of Story City with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And you know what the people wanted? More. <laughs> they, they tried to make him their king. They thought that he could become their bread king who would, you know, free food every day of your life. Well, who wouldn't want that? Let's make him king. He'll give us everything that we want. But Jesus came for a different reason. He came to do something different, to turn the world upside down. You know, Jesus, he could have just stuck around and given them what they wanted because it's tempting to please people and to show off for the crowd. But instead, Jesus told his disciples, let's go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. He left the success of the past behind to move ahead into the uncertain future. That wasn't what the disciples wanted. It wasn't what the people wanted, but it was what God wanted. Do you ever find yourself getting distracted from what you really need to be doing at a particular moment? You know, one of the easiest ways that we tend to do that is uh, something that people call the scroll hole. <laughs> you get on Facebook or other social media, and you just start going through, through, through. And you just keep scrolling until you lose complete track of time. Or maybe for you it's flipping channels on the television. Or doing something else that's just completely mindless until you realize, oh, I haven't done anything that I need to be doing. We so easily get caught up in little things that aren't essential. Jesus never got distracted. He stayed on target, focused on his mission. His time alone in prayer reinforced what he was called to do. Proclaim the message. Spread the good news. Change people's lives. Announce that God's kingdom is near. He's still doing it. Jesus is on the hunt. He's got places to go, things to do, lives to change. What will Jesus do when he finds you? He brings healing. He restores relationships. He invites you to follow him. He shapes and equips you to serve and help others. There's good news to share. And Jesus wants you. Amen.